0: Okay, so I'm live on YouTube, but on Instagram, it's pausing that. I have a poor connection, which is super weird. Why are you reconnecting? Come on now. Okay, I'm gonna restart. Instagram. I knew this was going to happen. Gotta have some sort of technical Seriously. Okay. And then Misty's barking. I can see you on Instagram. Okay. I think we're good. No. Can you see me on Instagram right now? Um, I did. It just keeps saying reconnecting. Well, you can see me. Oh. But see how it's uh, loading? I don't know why, but... We'll see how this goes. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody on the internet. And... 600th episode. This is crazy. Hopefully, my Instagram will fix itself. But everybody on YouTube, you guys have a clear connection. I don't know why... Instagram's being weird, but I can see people join in, which is kind of interesting, but uh, I'm just not happy with this connection. That's weird. But anyway, 600 episodes. That's crazy to me. I still remember when I first got into podcasting, and I was so embarrassed to film my first episode To a point, and I think I said this on my 500th episode, but it's always good to go back on those things where um, (laughs) I was embarrassed. So I went into my closet to record my first episode and even (laughs) filming in the closet, I was so quiet because I didn't want any other person to hear me. (laughs) like it makes no sense when you talk about it out loud but i've come a long way and to think that over the years i've interviewed probably over a hundred different fitness professionals and for those watching this live i keep looking over to my wife because she's here to celebrate the 600th episode and uh We have some questions and there is a high chance of noise in the background because one, there's another flood at our house. And for those who don't know last year, our entire apartment flooded. And then yesterday morning, I realized that in our second bedroom, uh, there was like water pooling in our ceiling. And now we have like a huge fan and dehumidifier in there um, doing its thing, so, and I don't know how to turn it off, because I don't want to break that thing, but, um, you know, that's how life is, keeps throwing you curveballs, but, um, the other thing is my dog might even start barking, because she's in the room, and we also have a baby now, so she might start crying. Um, I think I'm gonna jump right into the questions, because I'm gonna end up talking a lot about it. Um, babe, you want to Did I not send you the questions that I got online? Oh, I did not. They're just in there. There you go. Can you read out the first one for me? I tore my ACL. What should I do? You got to do it louder. They got to hear you. (laughs) (laughs) The first question is, I tore my ACL. What should I do before I get surgery, and what should I do after? All right, ACL tears for those who couldn't... Hear it for whatever reason. So, over the years, my channel and online presence has kind of changed and shifted from traditional to strength training and weight loss into more rehab, movement, functional training, and things like that. So now I get a lot of questions regarding any kind of you know injury, um, tightness, whatever it is, and an ACL is really interesting to me because it's one of those injuries that's so common. Um, throughout North America and a lot of it is to do with unstable hips and then putting your knee in vulnerable positions and a lot of it comes down to any kind of you know sporting event Um, you know you coming down from a jump and twisting your knee in the wrong direction and things like that so my biggest thing is when someone tears their ACL And they know that, you know, they're going to have reconstruction surgery and most likely they're going to use a hamstring graft. That's usually the most common uh, practice right now by surgeons. Um, So my train of thought is that if I have somebody coming in, taking a big chunk of my hamstring out to put for an acl then it's in my best interest to train that hamstring as much as possible so then when it's put in place as an acl it's going to do its job so i actually had um, a previous client who tore their acl and um, that's essentially what we did we did a lot of hamstring stuff so from a kin stretch frc point of view We did a lot of um, positional isometrics, knee cars, just to strengthen that hamstring. And I think to kind of put this in perspective, a lot of people just have to understand that when I get these questions, it always kind of depends on the individual. Because when I get a question like that, it's just a snippet of what's happening and I don't know the person's background. I don't know their medical history. I don't know what they've been through because a lot of times when I put someone through an assessment, I want to know everything that's happened up to the point of their injury because a lot of times when I, you know, put someone through an assessment, and I start asking them about their past medical history, a lot of times those things pop up to that injury. So say this ACL person has actually already tore their ACL once. That's a huge indicator that whatever they did to rehab their ACL after surgery, they didn't do it the right way. Or they've played sports their entire life, maybe got specialized really really early young in life and has been in those situations where that knee's fallen into positions that's not the greatest so that being said you want to train your hamstring as much as possible before your surgery date and then after your surgery essentially most medical professionals will say the typical don't do anything for six to eight weeks. And that's more so to kind of cover their ass legally, just in case if that ACL tears again. Mm -hmm. But if you go down the traditional like physiotherapy route, like the moment you open your eyes out of surgery, you almost need to start reconnecting brain and muscle and tendon and ligament and all that stuff to get past that hump of, um, you know, that almost like a block is when anytime you get injured, your body does everything in in its power to shut down all the stuff around it to protect it, which is great. But the moment that, you know, swelling goes down and things like that, like you need to start introducing movement. And a lot of people tend to just stay on bed rest and then out of nowhere, it's like, okay, now I'm going to start doing all this stuff. And those tissues have not adapted on load yet and that's you know i always go back down to like the definition of injury injury happens when an external force comes in to the tendons and ligaments and that exceeds how much capacity that tendon or ligament has and then it rips apart so if i have someone coming out of acl uh, reconstruction surgery then i want them to slowly reconnect brain to that area so then they can start implementing load right essentially if you follow the standard protocol it'll get you to a certain point but beyond that like you need to start loading your tissues correctly I think a lot of times people don't realize that all injury happens in your end ranges and if we never train in those end ranges injury is gonna happen if you think of every traditional you know exercise out there there's really strong parameters of where you need to stay in so if i'm a person doing a back squat i have to squat to 9 degrees anything beyond that is like a sin to do but your hips are able to go past 9 degrees if you're going into a squat or anything like that so i think For any real um, surgery or whatever you're dealing with, you need to think outside the box when it comes to how your body moves and develops and how we can, you know, find the appropriate loading strategy. Um, Does that kind of make sense? Kind of went all over the place. But um, with all these questions I always get, which is really interesting, is like people will ask me very specific medical and injury questions before they go see a medical professional, a physio, or a chiro, which is so strange to me because most trainers have no idea what they're doing, um, but we're like the first line of defense, which is strange to me. So anytime I get these questions, my first question back is, have you seen a medical professional? No, go see them first before I give you any kind of advice because they will see stuff that I can't see, but... Um, that's kind of my little rant on ACL stuff. What's the next question? Okay, so the next question is, I keep hurting my low back when deadlifting. I have terrible hip mobility, but stretching is not helping. What should I do? Mm, the good old deadlift. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that question. So the question was, if you guys can hear, was, uh, I keep injuring my lower back while deadlifting. Uh, my hip mobility is not the greatest and stretching's not working for me. So I would say first, if your hip mobility sucks, and you know this, you probably should not be deadlifting off the floor. I've spoken on this topic so many times, but I think people don't have a good grasp of exercise in general. Because most of the time when people think of exercise, they think of, I need to start moving, I need to improve my health, but they never really think about, you know, finding the right tool for the job. And I think a lot of people just do what, you know, their friends do, what they see on YouTube, what they see on Instagram, and they just assume that that's the right tool for the job. But just like anything in life, there are prerequisites before you can do something. Say, like a deadlift. Um, deadlifting in general people don't understand that you don't actually have to deadlift off the floor. This whole idea of deadlifting off the floor, if you're not competing in like powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting, there's no sense of you putting yourself in those positions. Right. So when I get these questions about deadlifting in general, I ask the person like, well, what's the purpose behind you deadlifting? Most of the time when it comes to general population people, they're just like, well, I want strong glutes and strong hamstrings and I want to burn calories. Great. There's like so many different exercises that can accomplish that that doesn't require as much for, say, the deadlift. Um, So I would just choose a different exercise because at the end of the day what I look at functional training, it's finding exercises that work for your body and Utilizing that as much as possible because, at the end of the day, you know, the ultimate goal for any general population person is longevity in the gym, so then they can actually see their goals accomplished. The worst thing for any general population person is, you know, they start getting a routine going and they start feeling good in the gym, but then something flares up like the little lower back deadlifting, and now they have to take time off, and now they're that much further away from their goal. And they go back to the gym going light, doing things that are less intense, and they can't give their 100% effort because they're dealing with whatever low back thing they're dealing with. So if you look at a span of an entire year, if you're constantly like, coming up being super consistent something hurts and then you have to drop off intensity and you're kind of down here and then you start feeling good and you're like okay now I can go back to what I was doing and now you're back down here. Rather than staying pain-free the whole time you can actually see this gradual climb of success throughout the whole year rather than doing this the entire time. Um, the other thing is when people have terrible hip mobility that's going to prevent you from doing a lot of lower body stuff, especially when it comes to the deadlift. Um, If you just look at something as simple as like hip internal rotation, that dictates how much space you have in your hip joint itself. And if it's like super tight in there and it's not going to move, then you forcing your body going into something like deadlift is just going to make things worse. So thinking about, you know, Working on mobility is going to be huge for that deadlift, but also just something as simple as elevating your deadlift. Like most people should be doing rack pulls where you have the barbell set up on like the squat rack where it's almost like as high as your kneecaps and pulling from that position. But even then, if you're already dealing with low back pain, that motion is probably going to end up becoming – Almost like a lumbar extension rather than a deadlift. Um, When it comes to stretching, I think this whole concept of stretching and what works and what doesn't, a lot of people don't really understand what works. And I always kind of bring up the story where, you know, if you ask any flexible person, like a dancer, how did you get flexible? They usually say that they came to their dance practice an hour before and literally put their leg on that parallel bar and held it there for an hour each side, and they became flexible. Most people just do a 30-second stretch after their workout, and they're like, oh, this thing doesn't really work. Just like any training modality out there, you need to have purpose behind what you're doing. If you're just moving for the sake of moving, the same goes for stretching. If you're just stretching for the sake of stretching, you're not really going to um, get the benefit. And that's where things like kin stretch does really, really, really well by improving mobility. I think a lot of people just think stretching is a waste of time, but if you understand the concept behind what kin stretch can actually do, it's strength training for your joints and at the end of the day everything that you do in the gym is dictated by what your joint capsules so like your shoulders your elbows your wrists your hips your neck your spine like everything dictates how well you can do um in the gym setting so one of the analogies i always give and this kind of works well with this whole deadlifting thing if your hip mobility sucks and say your hips are functioning at 40 percent you're only gonna get 40% out of whatever exercise you end up choosing in the gym. So it's in your best interest to actually work on mobility at the same time as your typical strength training to get more out of it. And I think a lot of people, especially general population, once they become consistent, they all fall into hitting a giant plateau and they're like, I don't know what else to do. So I think to unpack that entire question, one, you need to stop deadlifting off the floor. You really have to spend more time doing mobility work for your hips. And just like every question I get, go see a medical professional to figure out why you're getting low back pain. Cause it can be a lot of different things. Um, yeah. Next question. Talk a lot. After every shoulder day in the gym, the front part of my shoulder hurts, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Um, So the question was, the front of my shoulder hurts after every shoulder day. Um, One, I think the bigger question is, why are you doing a shoulder day? Um, If the answer is not, I'm competing in a bodybuilding show, then you should probably stay away from shoulder days. Um, Which can be another, like, our answer but um most of the time most people that i deal with all general population people um they have no business pressing overhead so if you're doing an entire workout dedicated to just shoulders i would not be surprised that you're just adding gasoline to a dumpster fire of a shoulder joint which is just going to make things worse. So in order for someone to press above their head, they need a lot of prerequisites. Number one being thoracic mobility. And if you look at our um, lifestyle, literally what I'm doing right now, I'm sitting. Sitting is literally probably one of the worst things that we can do. But Let me rephrase that. Any posture that's prolonged on a daily basis longer than an hour is probably not the greatest thing for you. So if I'm sitting here like this, eight to 10 hours every single day, and then I drive in this position an hour to go to work and an hour back, and then I sit at the dinner table to eat, and then I sit on the couch while watching Netflix or whatever platform I'm on, and then I repeat that five days a week, I'm probably going to have some mobility issues in my thoracic spine. So most people end up doing overhead work where they just don't have the prerequisites for it. So if I want to press overhead, I would probably want to work on thoracic mobility, shoulder mobility, and scapular control. When I have those three things, then pressing overhead is super easy but i have not met a general population person in an assessment setting where they have all that and then they wonder why um pressing overhead hurts and a lot of times when people get you know anterior shoulder pain they're pressing in positions where they're like this so yeah if i'm holding a dumbbell up top all that weight is going to go into that front of the shoulder and over time it's going to get irritated and it's going to hurt and again I can't stress this enough. If something hurts, go see a medical professional. Like, that's that should be number one. It doesn't mean that, oh, I'm just gonna go lighter the next day. And then, like, be shocked that your shoulder hurts. Most of the time, people spend too much time pressing and not enough pulling. So another easy way to fix injured, jacked up shoulders is whatever ratio of pressing, you wanna double or even triple by a pulling exercise because most of us live and breathe here, but we don't live and breathe here. So, if I can do more pulling exercises, then it's going to help that shoulder um, kind of settle down a little bit. But when it comes to pulling, like you also wanna stay away from any kind of overhead pulling because most of the time, if I'm doing, say, a close grip pull down, I'm looking like this and pulling, like that's not going to help at all so I would do more horizontal pulling than um, vertical and that should kind of clear things up when it comes to um, the shoulder next question I think nice My hips are so tight. Sometimes after working out, pain radiates down my legs. What should I do? Ooh, radiating pain. That's never a good sign. Um, That's definitely something that you should probably go see a medical professional for. Because when you have pain radiating, and it's pretty common with, like, hip stuff, that it goes down into the legs, into the toes. It could be burning. It could be... Uh, like restless, like you don't know what the hell's going on. And there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of nerves. There's a lot of stuff that could be happening. Most of the time when I put someone through an assessment and they give me that information and I do as much as possible to try to figure out what it is, a Cairo or a physio will get there a lot faster than I can. And they'll have certain protocols to help. But most of the time, like, it's very interesting to me is that a lot of these injuries that people go through is reversible when it comes to proper exercise and lifestyle change. Like, who would have thought that exercise was good for you? But just like anything, you need to know what's going to help and what's going to make it worse. I think when people have... Um, tight hips and they start getting radiating pain, certain exercises can definitely make it a lot worse for that individual. Something as simple as like, yeah, I'm going to do a deadlift or some sort of glute exercise that involves hip extension and most likely you're using your lower back for those things. It's going to make that radiating pain a lot worse. When I hear radiating pain, I go right to like nerve stuff and Quite simply, nerves hate being compressed. So a lot of times when people are like, oh, I have tight hips and also radiating pain, I'm going to stretch out my hips. But the last thing you want to do is stretch out a nerve to further piss it off and make things worse. So that's where you need to go see a medical professional to figure out what's the best strategy. Once you understand that, that's when you can actually go with a trainer or myself or whoever and figure out um, what exercises you should be doing. I think a lot of times people just want to figure this out on their own and they go on like WebMD or they start reading blogs of like, I have nerve pain, what should I do? And it's kind of... <laughs> A lost cause because I always give this analogy where, you know, I could fix my own plumbing by going on YouTube and figuring it out and fix a burst pipe or whatever it is. But probably down the road, it's probably going to break again. And I could have just saved myself a lot of money and a lot of time if I just hired a plumber that's actually a professional, right? But for some reason with exercise and pain and injury... People just assume they're going to find answers online, but I always go down the path of, like, go see a medical professional first, but when it comes down to radiating pain, it's usually due to something tightening up around your hips. And when I think about something tightening up, that's your nervous system trying to protect you from something. And if you leave it unaddressed for a long period of time, and I see this all the time, is like someone in their 30s started having these radiating pains on and off, and they wait until their 40s when it's so bad, it's going to take that much longer to actually fix the problem. And I always tell this to people, is that once you're injured and you're dealing with an injured tissue ligament or whatever it is it's actually harder to make that better than you trying to lose 10 pounds like it takes so much longer to make a tissue in your body function at its high capacity compared to you trying to lose weight and when i put that into context people are like holy shit and i'm like well yeah like you need to take care of your body because this is the only body that you have And when people go down that pathway, it's like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, well, eventually you're going to have to make time when you hit your 40s, 50s, 60s, because you're going to be seeing people no matter what. You should make the time right now in your life to prevent all that other stuff that's going to happen. right? So I think overall when you're dealing with an injury, you need to equip yourself and educate yourself as much as possible and seek help as fast as possible. Most of the time when people deal with injury, they put it off way too long and they just make things worse. Um, I think I'm going to end it there because I spoke a lot. Um, I get these questions a lot and it just goes to show that people are banged up a lot more than when I first started in this industry. And I think it's our lifestyles becoming more and more comfortable. Like... You know, you can go on Amazon and order something and the next day it's here. Like, it, our our bodies are not designed for the environment that we live in. And we need to take more time and effort to, you know, pay attention and improve our health. Because it's so much easier to just sit yourself down on the couch and watch the next episode of Yellowstone. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um Take the time, you know, your bodies are meant to move, you know, seek help, things like that, and it will go a long way. Um, 600 episodes, pretty crazy to me. Um, Anytime I hit these milestones, it's kind of like, holy crap, how did I get here? But I think with anything, when you're just consistent and you get used to the idea of constantly doing something over and over and over again, it accumulates quite a bit right and the same goes for exercise you could do literally a five minute workout every single day but over a span of five to ten years that adds up right like as long as you're consistent and you get into a habit of things it just accumulates and another example that i always give is like i tell people like i probably go through anywhere from 15 to 20 books a year and all it is is like i wake up early And spend 30 minutes every day just reading as much as I can and you know I look back the last five years and my holy crap that's a lot of books that I've went through and you can do that for anything in your life so if I have to leave some parting wisdom words on this episode is that anything in your life if you just pick away slowly but surely you're going to accumulate quite a bit of success and you know my podcast has been around for five years and 600 episodes later i'm still doing it so i'm kind of really excited to hit that 1000 episode um, milestone and who knows what i'll be doing by then but uh i want to thank all of you for your support um all those people watching who have not subscribed to my youtube channel please do so um share this podcast with your friends and family i always say that and thank you so much for the support that's it for me and hopefully i can turn all this off without screwing it up till next time you guys